Good to see you all here tonight. Please take your Bibles, join me in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, as we return to our series through the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights. In chapter 3 of Daniel, we get the account of Nebuchadnezzar setting up the 90-foot-high golden image in the plain of Dura for all to see and worship when the music played, and the penalty for any who refused to bow and worship was that they would be cast alive into the fiery furnace. That's a pretty good motivator if you're indifferent. But if you have a relationship with God, when dedication day arrived, all the leaders throughout the provinces were assembled, the music played, but there were three Hebrew captives from Judea. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, as their Hebrew names were, they refused to bow and to worship the image. Remember that this is both a religious test and a civil test. The emphasis last time was how far are you willing to go with the world? And also how far are you willing to go with the Lord? These three men... They had their minds made up before dedication day ever arrived. They didn't just wake up this day and go, this is the day I think I'm going to live for God. This was a lifetime. And so here they are, the music's played, they don't bow. Nebuchadnezzar gave them a second chance. And I talked about, I think that shows Nebuchadnezzar's respect that he had for them, that he would even offer them a second chance. And He told them, if you'll fall down and worship at the sound of the music, then fine. If not, we'll cast you into the fiery furnace. And for good measure, he added this, And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? They answered the king in verses 16 through 18, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And so this brings us to where we left off. Look with me, please, here in Daniel chapter 3. Let's read beginning in verse 19 through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be hotted or to be heated. <laughs> you don't understand how much I'm tired of heat. I was telling Mike Sullivan I'm driving back in the Honda with no AC. I'm not going south again without an air conditioner. Somebody say amen right there. I looked like I was on death's door driving. I was like... Let's try this verse again, amen. Yeah, it's hotted down there. Um, In fact, it was seven times more hotted down there than here. (laughs) It was brutal. Verse 19, let's try this again. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. 
And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth from the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant, servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen. In verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar commanded these three men to be brought before him in his rage and fury. And now in verse 19, he is full of fury. And this caused the form of his visage to be changed. Now there's times when we are good at concealing what we are really feeling on the inside. Maybe more times than, than I think, but other times what's happening on the inside manifests itself outside. It can be seen in our countenance, amen? Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is the authority in the land. What he says goes. There's no reason for him to blow up. There's no reason for him to lose control of his emotions. All he has to do is calmly give the command for them to be cast into the fiery furnace, and his point is made, and these men are made examples of. But in his pride, he blows up. Proverbs 29.22 says, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to dwell here. We've talked about this in the past with Nebuchadnezzar. But I, I just want to remind you that when you are overcome by anger, you are no longer in control. And this is an important lesson for all, but particularly leaders. Husbands, you're to be the leaders of your home. Amen, that's biblical. As leaders of your home, when things don't go your way, do you easily lose control of your emotions? 
Does your anger cause you to have a changed visage? Do you rule by fear and pride? And we must do all to remain in control of our emotions. And I can tell you from my own experience, it's a learned behavior. I, I don't have a stellar record. But I'm growing, amen. One outburst of angry emotions has caused many relationships to begin to deteriorate in a moment of time. And, and notice that because of the king's fury, notice what it says, his visage was changed against these three men who he once had respect for. This, this one moment of rage, this one outburst of anger, now the men that he had respect for, he's now against them. And how many marriages have begun, have begun to fall apart because of one angry explosion? How many wives have suffered abuse because of an angry man who can't control his prideful emotions? How many children have been excommunicated because anger ruled the home? How many homes have fallen apart? But you know, it doesn't end there, does it? How many have left good churches because they got angry? How many have grown bitter and stayed out of church? Hey, I've met people, sometimes they've stayed out for decades. Why? 20, 30 years ago, somebody got upset. Somebody in anger had a changed visage towards someone, and, and what used to be a good relationship is now toxic. And, and really, when you think about it, this issue extends to all areas of life. It's, it's in the home. It's in the church. It can affect our friendships. It can affect our job. I know people that bounce around from job to job to job have more jobs in one year than I've had in a lifetime. All because my boss didn't like me. we got to be careful. And we have to learn to die to self. Well, in his fury, the king decides to have the furnace heated seven times hotter. Really, I believe what this is saying is the king wants this as hot as it can get. But what sense does this make? I mean, think about what his objective is. He wants these men to suffer. The hotter the furnace means a quicker death for the ones that he's trying to make to suffer. If he wanted to see these men suffer, then don't heat it seven times, cool it seven times. Right? And then you just wall her in the pain. And so this is what happens when someone isn't in control. They make decisions that really don't make sense. But while this increased heat would not make their death more prolonged, it is going to make their deliverance all the more glorious because God is going to be even more magnified. And that's why we're given these kind of details. Isn't it interesting how this wicked king felt like this was an acceptable form of punishment for those who didn't obey him? And yet, if this same wicked king died in this moment, he wouldn't find it equitable for God to give him the same form of punishment. Is everybody with me? And, and we ought to see the parallel between this account and what we read in the Revelation. Here we have Nebuchadnezzar casting 
men into the fire for refusing to bow to this image. And in the revelation, those who bow to the image are going to be cast into the fire who worship the image and the beast. Revelation 14, 9 through 11. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So while the fires of man will kill, the lake of fire will not. It's a place where the worm dieth not. You're always dying, but never dead. And it's better to experience man's fiery death where pain is only momentary than to experience God's fiery second death, which is eternal pain. Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, in verse 20, the execution of the king's sentence was to be immediate. And he has the most mighty men bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's some debate as to whether this means they were strong men or if they were men of great position. Doesn't matter, they, they bind them nonetheless. In verse 21, they're bound with what they had on for clothing. Now that's an interesting set of facts that were given. Made me wonder why are we told that they're in their clothes. Commentator Albert Barnes wrote this, It has been usual to array those who were to suffer in a particular dress, indicative of the fact that they were heretics and that they deserved the flame. Here, however, the anger of the king was so great that no delay was allowed for any such purpose, and they proceeded to execute the sentence upon them just as they were, end quote. I don't know. Others hold the opinion that there were, they were such an offense to the king in this moment that, you know what, let's kill them, just throw them in. I don't even want their clothes around, amen. Uh, and, and, of course, clothes back then were a big deal, right? They gambled for Jesus' garment. It's not like today. And, and so I don't, I don't know why, I don't even know why I'm telling you this because I don't even know what the answer is, but they were burned in their clothes. All right, amen. That was, I don't know why I even brought it up. And so here they are bound in their clothes and it's time to be cast into the fiery furnace. And apparently this was a typical form of punishment in Babylon. You'll read over in Jeremiah 29 verses 21 and 22. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, of Ahab, the son of Kaliah, and of Zedekiah, the son of Maaseah, which prophesy um, a lie unto you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes, and of them shall be taken up a curse by all the captivity of Judah, which are in Babylon, saying, The Lord make thee like Zedekiah and like Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire." I guess this is what they did. And at the end of verse 21, they are cast into the fiery furnace. And we see in verse 22, because this furnace is so hot, a flame of the fire from this furnace 
kills the men who cast them into the furnace. Now, it's interesting that we've landed on this thought tonight after covering what we did in Genesis chapter 11 on Sunday morning. Remember the Tower of of Babel was in in, in this general location. And for their building project, they had to make their own bricks. They didn't have stone. They made brick for stone. The Bible says they burned them throughly to make them strong. Uh, they, they used these huge furnaces to do this. I read one account. They could do thousands of these at, at, at one time. And, and they had these huge furnaces or kilns to make these bricks. And, and I think that's probably what this is. Some people think, no, this was something that was made specifically for this. I don't know. I think it might have been one of these, these kilns that they used to make their stones at, or, or their bricks. And, and some of these kilns, by the way, you can go online, you can see them. They're, they're still in Iraq, and you can see some of these out there. And just gee whiz if you want to look that up. Now, I bring this up because I've often tried to envision this in my mind. How did this play out? How did this go down? Because when we read this account, we see that these mighty men took them up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they take them, it sounds like to me they're taking them up to the top of the furnace to cast them in. Is that how everybody else kind of sees one? At least you can understand what I'm saying. I, I think they're taking them up there in verse 22. And so I can't prove this, but, but in my mind, they're being led up to the top of this furnace to be cast in, not shoved in at the mouth at the bottom. And, and I think these men, they're at the top of the furnace, and the Bible talks about how the king is in such haste and it's being heated so quickly I think up there at the vent, this flame comes out and it kills the men that are casting in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so if you can envision that, that's my two cents. In in verse 23, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Abednego fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now in the king's mind, it's all over with. Amen? Executed the sentence. Ah, ha, ha, I told you. You're going to worship my God or you're going to die. But remember, the king had asked them, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And of course, they they answer, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. They didn't know if God was going to keep them alive or not. But they knew this, God would deliver them one way or the other. Now, I I say this because I want you to make no mistake about it. These men were great men of faith. They had faith in their God. And and we get God's answers in in verses 24 through 27. And here is where I think this transition now transitions from what would have been the top of this furnace down to the the bottom. And in fact, we're going to be told here in a minute that the king is looking into the mouth of this thing. So I think that's where the king is looking in at. And so verse 24, look at what it says. This is so great, amen? Amen. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. That's one of our favorite words in our house. Um, I always say, I'm just astonished. <laughs> Who says that, right? The king's English, amen. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I believe I'd be astonished too. I'd be astonished if I looked in and saw four when I cast in three. I'd be astonished if I was in there. 
Hey, Azariah, you ever been in one of these things? No, but it's pretty cool. Cool, hot, cool, all right. They're cast in bound, but now they're walking around. So God allows their cords to be burned, but nothing else. They're not hurt at all. The king's even more amazed. He sees a fourth man walking around with them. And he says of this fourth man, the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Modern Bible versions have changed this. For example, the ESV states, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods, little g. I just want to say, stay with your trusty King James Bible. And I'm not going to try to explain this away like some people do, suggesting there's no way Nebuchadnezzar could have known, had any knowledge of this coming son of God. And to that I say, why couldn't he? It's not like God's been hiding himself. There are billions today who are living in idolatry who have the head knowledge of Christ. They just choose to stay in their sin. Not to mention Nebuchadnezzar, he had these four Hebrew men as part of his wise men. He had the interpretation of his dream. In verse 26, he calls these three servants the servants of the Most High God. In verse 28, he calls the fourth man in the fire God's angel which was an expression in the Old Testament in some context for the pre-incarnate Christ. I think Nebuchadnezzar knows exactly what he's seeing. And I believe he's seeing a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God. Walking in the midst of the fire with these three who refused to bow to the image. And, and really, I think this is the takeaway from this account. That God is with us through our trials. Amen. That God walks with us. He cares about us. Was it in chapter 2 when they, they said that you know, their gods don't dwell with men? They're false gods. Our God does. And He cares about us. And, and here He is with these three men. Now I understand some have died in the fires. God does not do this for everybody. But God will walk through us, uh, walk with us through the fiery trials of this life. But, but even those who were burned at the stake, as I think about those through the, the end of the dark ages as God was beginning to allow the Word of God to be translated into English and these people were being burned by the Catholic Church. Even God was with them. You say, well, why didn't God deliver them? God has a reason for all that He does. Some have died, some have been delivered. In this account, God delivers them without death. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Whether we die or whether we walk out of this furnace, we're delivered. And listen, I want you to know tonight, God is able. I don't care what you're going through. God is able to deliver you. And even when we come to death's door, which by the way is the point on a man wants to die, 
And unless we're raptured out of here, when we come to, to die, God is there to walk with us. Why? Because death is our ultimate deliverance from this body of sin. But God chose for these three men to live. Why? I believe it's because God is continuing to work in the heart of this pagan king. God is working to bring Nebuchadnezzar to himself. Remember that Nebuchadnezzar got close at the end of chapter 2, but he didn't get there. He gets close here, but we'll see in just a minute, he still misses it. But we still have chapter 4 to go. And so whether God delivers us or delivers us through death, we can be assured God is working out His purposes. God is working to draw people to Him. What's our job? To be found faithful. Just be found faithful. Trust Him. He will walk with you. Romans 14, 8, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Well, in verses 26 and 27, they come forth out of the fiery furnace to an astonished king. The fire has no power. There's not a hair singed on their head. Their clothes are not burned. They didn't even have the smell of smoke upon them. This is absolutely amazing. I got to say it now. I mean, when Adrian and I were stationed in Virginia and you could still smoke in restaurants... We'd go to the Waffle House. We'd have to plan it so we could take a shower afterwards. You'd come out smelling like a cigarette. They don't even smell. They're in the thing. God completely and miraculously protected them. Proverbs 6, verses 27 and 28. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be Burn, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Hebrews 11.4 mentions those who through faith quench the fire of violence, which is the case here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also, with exceeding joy. The fiery trials are going to come. Don't think that they won't. But you see, God can quench the fires. He can see you through that trial as you exercise faith in Him. Jesus said to His disciples in Mark eleven twenty two, Have faith in God. And we know the peace of God that passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember this also, the fires are meant to purify us. God wants to burn the dross through these fires. God wants to conform us 
into the image of His Son through the fires. The fiery trials, they are to draw us closer to God. Listen to me, friends. You need to learn to give yourself to the process. Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. You see, these men were at peace whether God delivered them through death or otherwise. They had a clear conscience. They had honored God and therefore they trusted God would be there for them. Now, listen to me please. Listen to this. Don't miss that faith did not make the trial disappear. They're still in the fire. And guess what? When they come out of the fire, they're still in Babylonian, Babylonian captivity. It's not changing the situation. L- listen, the, the point is not that We have faith and God eliminates the trial. The the point is that we have faith and God sees us through the trials. He walks with us. Romans 8, 36 and 37, As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But but listen to this. Nay, in, in, in all these things, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. In them. You're not escaping it. It's how you go through it. Look at what Nebuchadnezzar concludes in verse 28. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent His angel and delivered His servants that trusted in Him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. What did Paul write in Romans 12.1? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, all of this is a matter of faith. And and it's amazing how the pagans can sometimes convict those who ought to know better. We don't see that in this account. We see it in some accounts in Genesis. But here a pagan king is recognizing they trusted God. They yielded their bodies to God. And you know what? That's what we're supposed to do. We we trust the Lord. We put our faith in Him. We yield our lives to Him. We say, okay, Lord, You can do with my life as You see fit. This is all about a life of faith. And it brought them boldness in a pagan land. It gives them the courage to stand when all others are bowing. It's about trusting God and honoring God with our life. And isn't this the theme throughout the Bible, that God is mighty to save? In verse 29, we see once again that Nebuchadnezzar is close, but he still is not there. Though he acknowledges there's no other God who can deliver after this sort, he still only sees this God as the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you read that. Now, he must like the punishment of cutting up people and making their houses a dunghill. This is the second time he's issued this command. How would you like to live under this guy? But this is the punishment that he issues for any who speak anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, how about all this? In verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar said, And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And now in verse 29, he has to admit, 
There is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And I can't help but picture God sitting in the heavens laughing. This is amazing. Then in verse 30, they receive another promotion in the province of Babylon. They honored God and God honored them. Amen. So in closing, let me ask you tonight, what are you going through? I know if we could pull back the curtain tonight, we would all see we all have problems. We're all going through trials and tribulations and troubles. Whatever you're going through tonight, can I just encourage you to walk with God? Have faith in God. Many of you are in the midst of fiery trials and you cannot see a way out of it. Trust God. His ways are best. Stay true to His Word. That's what these men are doing. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't you make an image and bow down to it. And they say, all right, Lord, we're not going to do it. Stay true to His Word. Honor God and He will honor you. Let's pray.